0: Welcome into another News for Jags podcast. I'm Jamal Saints here alongside Justin Barney here, and the Jaguars coming off another loss. Why, this does, why
1: does it feel like it's a broken record every time we're
0: in here? Th- there have been a lot of losses this year. That's why. I, actually, the past two years there have been a lot of losses, uh, and this week we're heading into the Falcons game, and you know, they're, both of these teams have not scored a lot of points. And uh, I think that's the big question this week is who can actually score and that they'll probably win the game. Are we going
1: to see another Bills kind of effort where it's just field goal kicker versus field goal kicker? We
0: very well may because the past two weeks the Falcons have shown injuries have set in for them and they can't score. The Jaguars haven't actually have been pretty healthy this year and are getting healthier. So maybe that helps. Urban Meyer said that uh, Brandon Linder James O'Shaughnessy both going to play on Sunday. Uh, The only significant injury for the Jaguars is going to be Shaquille Griffin, so we'll talk a little bit later about how that may impact the defense and what they can do to slow down Kyle Pitts. I think the big thing that everyone is talking about is the Jaguars' offense and just how bad it is. Last week, they lost Jamal Agnew, so that's just one less playmaker for that offense. So uh, since the bye week, the Jaguars have been scoring 10.75 points a game. The NFL average this season per game. 23.1. Terrible. The Jaguars' average for this season, just 18 points, so still not good. They're not even at the NFL average level. The worst offensive output in Jaguars franchise history was in 2011. They scored 243 points. So far this season, the Jaguars only scored 159. So if they keep up the output that they've had since the bye week at that 10.75, this would be, with an additional game, this is a 17-game season, The worst scoring offense in Jaguars franchise history. In order to tie that, they need to average, or tie it or beat it, they need to average more than 12 points the rest of the way. And sadly, I'm not sure they can do that. You know, they haven't
1: scored 30 points in a game since week two against the Titans last year. And last year. Last year. (laughs) And it's just unbelievable how bad this team has regressed. I mean, we saw Trevor early on this season throwing for three hundred yards in a game, you know, having turnovers, but throwing touchdowns, accounting for yardage, and he is just not doing well at this point, that he's hit the rookie wall, whatever you want to say. It's just not been a good season for Trevor Lawrence. I think his development has been stunted by uh, the the cast of players around him who are not uh, really NFL caliber players long term, I don't think. And, you know, Urban Meyer has said this week on a couple occasions that he's thought Trevor Lawrence had a good game last week against 49ers. And,
0: I mean, is Urban watching the same thing we are? No, I, I think Trevor played well. I think, so here's what, what they're asking Trevor to do. Don't lose the game, Trevor. He can't win it because he doesn't have the players around him. I mean, legitimately speaking, if you look at this wide receiver core that he's throwing to, Jamal Agnew, he wasn't playing wide receiver for the Detroit Lions. He was the Jaguars' best playmaker the past few weeks. Unbelievable. Uh, look, I'm just saying Detroit ain't exactly the creme de la creme of the NFL. Marvin Jones, who has been a consistent playmaker in his career and has been pretty much on par with what he's done in his career here in Jacksonville. He's not a number one. He's more of a number two who makes plays consistently throughout the season. Who's your go-to guy? It should have been LaVishka Chenault needed to step up. But Chenault has shown that wide receiver in the NFL is just, at least on the outside, is not where his strength is. Today, Urban Meyer talking in his pre- conference said they, they're really going to have to find ways to get Chenault into better Places to be a big play threat, maybe even line him up in the backfield. Something that I don't know. Anybody that's been watching the NFL this year has been screaming. Uh, you know, Cordero Patterson, Laviska Chenault, same size, same guy. Put him in the backfield. Let's see what the dude can do. I'm just saying. But uh, no, the offense is bad. Legitimately, once you get to this all season. It would not surprise me if it got to the point where Marvin Jones was probably your number three threat at wide receiver, or even for number four, if they can get DJ Chark back. I mean, legitimately, like you say, uh, I think they'd have to draft somebody relatively high in the draft, Mm -hmm. and then you would have to sign somebody in free agency who can be the guy. So you bring in those two guys, and then if you get DJ Chark back on a one-year prove-it deal, then that would put Marvin Jones down to number four. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way. Like, at that point, things are good. Yeah, exactly. If and you that, have some. You have some. You have weapons I, at that and point. And again,
1: I don't. And we've beaten this dead horse for a couple weeks in a row. You cannot tell me Odell Beckham Jr., Deshaun Jackson, one of those oh guys could not be. Did you see that DJX catch on Thanksgiving? How, how can you tell me and look at me with a straight face if you're Urban Meyer and say. You know, you know we're not we're not taking a flyer on one of those guys unbelievable how how can you with this group of receivers you have you did not make a move to to secure one of those guys off the waiver wire it makes absolutely no sense indefensible yet you go out and sign John Brown I mean, you're you're just trying to – it's a shell game right now with the Jaguars. You're just trying to, to move guys around, insert guys into the lineup, scratch out any kind of production you can. You're not going to be able to address this position um, until next offseason fully. But you could have helped yourself a little bit by grabbing a couple of those guys off the waiver wire. You did it with Tyron Johnson. That didn't work out. Kick, kick the tires on Deshaun Jackson. Kick the tires on OBJ. And that was a complete whiff by the Jaguars front office to not –
0: Go after one of those guys. Bulky's a penny pincher. He, he 100% is a penny pincher. He was a penny pincher when he was in San Francisco, and he is a penny pincher now. And one thing that I think the Jaguars over the past two years have really done a little bit too much has been too conscious of the kind of guys yep. they bring into the locker room. Oh, we don't want to bring OBJ here because he might not want to be here. Okay, he's on a 1-year deal after not playing well in in Cleveland. Do you think his career could really survive yeah. not showing up in Jacksonville? Cuz I don't. No. DJax, a guy who's over the 30 hill mark, who has had some down years in his career but is known to be a deep threat. Do you think his career could really survive showing up in Jacksonville and pitching a fit? For, for because I don't, but I do think DJax can play. Djax has never even been known in his career to be a locker room problem. He's a very intense individual. That's something that I think the Jaguars' offense needs.
1: You could have had <laughs> one of those guys for a seven or eight game rental. And giving Trevor an outlet, something Hill. to have some confidence in. Right now, you're, you're about Trevor Lawrence. You're about trying to uh, not let his confidence be completely eviscerated after this season. And that, I think, addressing that receiver position with the waiver wire pickup, um, you know, Deshaun Jackson, Odell Beckham, Really, I mean, who cares if it's a it's a half year rental? You could have helped Trevor out in the short term, um, addressed some of those deficiencies that Urban Meyer has talked about with the loss of DJ Tark, with the loss of Travis Etienne, and Jacksonville. You know, whatever the case may be, whether it's penny pinching or you know it didn't fall into Trent Baalke's value. Uh, word that he loves to, uh, to harp on, um, was a big miss. And I think it even goes back to free agency of this year. You missed on so many guys, whether it was, you know, Matt Juden. Um, I mean, the, the tight ends we've talked about, Johnnie Smith, Hunter Henry. Just one mistake after another, I think Jacksonville could have uh, taken bigger swings. And we're seeing that as a result now. You just don't have those talented bodies in the, uh, the lineup to move around.
0: I think we've gotten to the point where we understand that it's very likely Urban's here next year do you think Trent Bulky is back? Because the, the entire offseason, from the moment Irvin accepted this job, there was one word that he used to describe the team he saw for the Jaguars. Speed. And at this point in the year, looking at the Jaguars' offense, there are a lot of words I'd use to describe it, but speed ain't one of them. Not at all. Lack of
1: yeah, speed. Lack of would speed be would be, a, be a, better, a very good description. Better good phrase. And
0: so clearly that shows that Urban and Bulky maybe not on the same page with the kind of players that he wanted to bring in. And Urban has talked at length at taking that back seat to Trent Bulky because he was still learning the ins and outs of the contract and building a roster in the NFL. And so this is really a roster that Trent Bulky has his fingerprints all over from the past off season. Do we think that maybe Trent, Fulky, Trent Bulky ends up being the fall guy at the end of the year, and the Jaguars are in turn looking for a new contract man or a new general manager to replace him because speed ain't there, and if Urban ain't Urban won't say it, but this is not a fast team. No, not at all, and you
1: know maybe. You know we saw how gracious Shad Khan was with Dave Caldwell. I mean, if uh, I mean Dave Caldwell, how many lives did he have with this franchise? I mean, he put together some of the worst rosters you'll ever see at the professional level and had a job year after year after year. So does Meyer go into Shad's office and say, hey, I think we could look elsewhere um, you know and, and have urban, you know, be the one calling the shot. I mean, Urban is the one running this organization right now. It's not Trent Balky. I think Trent was just a um, kind of a prisoner of the moment. He was in the, in the situation. He had experience as a GM, um, and Shad didn't want to completely blow up the front office and, and start over with the new general manager. So, you know, does Urban uh, it go in Shad's office in the end of office and say, maybe we can look at somebody else other than Trent? Or maybe, you know, Urban and Trent in year two are a little bit more risk takers. Maybe uh, Trent Balky, this seat, this Season and off season said, you no, we're not going to be very good this year. We're going to, you know, be take this value kind of company line, um, and fill in the pieces, and next year we'll uh, we'll add those pieces. I can't think of any other way that Trent Baalke would have looked at this season um, and put together the roster that they did right now, and, and legitimately think it could, um, you know, could compete on a week to week basis. It is devoid of talent. You went in and thrift free agency spending besides Shaquille Griffin um, and. I just don't, you didn't address a lot of needs. I mean, you needed help on the offensive line. You needed significant tight end help, pass-catching tight end help. Um, You needed a big play receiver, and you just, I think you went value and budget over, um, you know, truly impact players, and we're seeing the result of it now.
0: You know, originally, and I think part of it is that everyone involved had higher expectations for the Jaguars wide receiver core. I I don't he, you can't look at it on paper going into the season. And we all felt good about the Jaguars. wide receivers. Absolutely. We said Trevor's got some weapons to throw mm-hmm. to. Uh, so there was reason. Like, I always felt like the Jaguars defense was very budget shopping. But it turns out those budget shopping pieces that he brought in seemed to have come together and worked out. The offense did not, and we just felt so good about DJ Tark, Laviska Shenault, Marvin Jones. I mean, that trio was gonna was gonna work. And then I I remember seeing Jamal Agnew catching pass I said, you know what? He could have a role on this offense. Mm-hmm. I felt good there. They brought in Tyron Johnson. We felt like there was. Uh, a lot of good things going on on the offensive side. And he mixed in Travis Etienne prior to the injury, James Robinson there, and they also had James O'Shaughnessy. So you felt like Trevor had these pieces to work with and this offense was going to be the core of this team and that Trevor was in a good footing. I can see where Trent was looking and felt okay. I can understand that. But where you can't understand is the things that he's done since we realized that things weren't good. And we realized that... Pretty They're early pretty on. Pretty early. I mean, we about week one, you looked at it and you said, ooh, this ain't the DJ from 2019. This ain't going to be good. And then DJ goes down and you're looking at it and you're like, LaVishka can't get open, uh-oh. And you're like, all right, well, Marvin Jones looks like a number two guy, but he ain't going to give me too much. No team's double covering this guy, uh-oh. And then O'Shaughnessy was hurt week one, so then you're left with Chris Manhurts. They did make the deal for Dan Arnold, so that gave you something. But Dan Arnold's not your number one threat. No. And last week, the 49ers made it a point to take him away and you don't want to know what no catches for yeah. dan arnold so it, it, we realized it and then those opportunities that you talked about odell beckham d both hit the waiver wire you wouldn't have had to give anything up did you make calls at the trade deadline to get anybody anybody a pulse just something i mean at this point It's like, okay, they went into the season, you felt good, and then it got to week one, you said, "Uh uh-oh, we were wrong. And then they're like, well, we're just going to ride this dead horse. And riding a dead horse ain't going to get you far. And
1: I think that's exactly (laughs) the mentality they've taken. They say this is a lost season. This was a total reset. We knew we had some hard work in front of us. Um, They've tried to cobble together functional NFL rosters week after week after week. Um, Injuries happen in the NFL, but DJ Chark, he just, he, he's not been the same player since that breakout season. He struggled last year, came off the injury and surgery during camp, and just, I don't know, he's just not that number one guy that we expected him to be, but he's a big, he's a body, he catches the passes, he's, he's a solid, probably a 1B, you know, I, I think his ceiling uh, in in the NFL is probably a 1B guy, but when those guys start falling down, you've got to adjust on the fly. And for a team really starved of any speed, any legitimate talent, and then you've got guys, D.J. Chark, James Robinson banged up, um, Jamal Agnew, your guy there. I mean, What have they done to, to address that besides uh, pluck the waiver wire and get guys like John Brown or try to squeeze in a Laquan Treadwell from time to time? That receiver position has just been terrible. They tried to get Jacob Hollister for a jolt on tight end. He's just been another guy. Um, Tyron Johnson couldn't even get on the field. It's just been one thing after the other. And when you have a situation, an unexpected waiver guy come up or even a, a guy at the trading deadline who could have been available. I mean, Zach Ertz would have been a great guy before the Cardinals traded for him, and he's had a good... Rise there. I mean, he he could have been a one-year rental and been that pass-catching tight end that uh, Jacksonville was so sorely needed. But it just seems like one mismanagement um, issue after another.
0: It's just a lot of mismanagement. I mean, even even the practice squad. I mean, they started the year with Philip Dorsett and Laquan Treadwell. We and there's Tavon Austin on the roster. I mean, legitimately, you have the number one overall quarterback, and these are the guys even on your practice squad at receiver. You, you'd think, okay, especially once you kind of realize, uh-oh, we might be in trouble at wide receiver, they'd start looking for high-ceiling guys who might you might hit the lottery and get somebody who can come in and play. Look for younger guys. We, at this point, I think we know what Laquan Treadwell is. He'll, he's a good run blocker. He's mm-hmm. shown in the past few weeks, and he'll catch a few passes, but he's not really going to be a difference maker. Um, you know, uh, Philip Dorset didn't even last very long. He got out of Jacksonville. Uh, Tavon Austin. We know what Tavon Austin is in the NFL. He'll catch a few passes, but he's not the guy that mm-hmm. from that West Virginia highlight tape. This the mismanagement of this season is just frustrating yes. uh, with, with what's going on. And you hope maybe that uh, this is a learning experience for Urban and he can reflect on this year once the season's over and apply some of those lessons moving forward um but I just don't know I, I I think Trent if Trent is engineering this whole shin shebang he, he might have to go because this yeah, is bad yeah. I mean that just the decisions that have been made and I mean it's just it don't make no sense
1: it, to me it started in the off season when tight end and offensive line are the positions that you need to address and you know tight end more so than offensive line the tight end position is a black hole you bring in Tim Tebow um, I mean Tebow. <laughs> it was just a charity act but I mean you had guys Hunter Henry, Zach Ertz, John U. Smith. I mean guys that were out there I mean the Patriots signed both those guys Hunter and Henry even
0: Pat Fryermuth. you yeah, just Pat happened Friday. to hire his college yep. coach and would you look at it he can yeah. actually play football in Pittsburgh yep. wow so, I think his
1: coach would have known that I think yeah I think so <laughs> I mean so there's just been one mistake after another to me you go in you can't go into an off season with the tight ends that they had on their roster, and that was just a sign of things to come when available serviceable, good pass-catching tight ends were there. I think Hunter Henry has as many receiving touchdowns as Trevor Lawrence has thrown this year. I think he's got eight receiving touchdowns this year. So just a, not just a bad look all around. And I can see if it was uh, they viewed this season as you know kind of the thrifty, the budget defensive kind of signings that we saw other than Shaquille Griffin. Um, but I, I just don't think there's an excuse for so many holes. I know you're not going to address every single hole on the team in one offseason. But at least address the primary ones. Tight end was a glaring, extremely glaring need. Receiver needed some attention, and you go out and get Marvin Jones. Um, offensive line needed an upgrade, and just so many mismanagement moves by the front office. I think, and we've seen it time and again. We had, we suffered through the J- Dave Caldwell, uh, the I mean the unbelievable Gene Smith year. So fans have seen it. It's been a tortured franchise when it comes to. Uh, Draft decisions, free agent signings, and stuff, but we got to see something else out of Trent Baalke in year two. I guess i mean, we can—we can even go ahead and start talking about <laughs> year two of the the uh, Urban Meyer regime because I think he's here next year. Got to have some improvement, though.
0: All right, here's the big question um, I, I, that I'm looking at here. Uh, I think I don't think Trevor Lawrence is a bust. He's not the problem here, but he doesn't have the talent around him. But what worries me is the David Carr syndrome, as I—I'll I, I'll put it. So politely for the Texans fans out there. Uh, the Texans ruined David Carr. Absolutely. And the, the man saw ghosts after the yes. offensive line was terrible. He really only had Andre Johnson there with him for a little bit um, at wide receiver and had very little help around. What we don't want to happen is the same thing for Trevor. The offensive line, not great. Mm-hmm. No Receivers, not very much. But I do think that Trevor is confident enough in himself to understand the situation and know what is going on and know that he isn't the problem. So you hope that he is mentally tough enough to kind of weather through this. That's what worries me though. I could honestly this year was never about wins and losses. Yep. This year was about progression and at this point now it's about not ruining exactly. the number one overall pick.
1: And it's it's confidence and that's again I think that's where the missteps come from the organization because you have a chance to to buy low on a Zach Ertz at tight end give Trevor some help there. You've got a chance to mine that waiver wire and make a trade at the deadline to help that rookie quarterback. Because to me at this point, as you just mentioned, it's this season was about progress. This season was about uh, knocking the rust off Trevor, getting him into that uh, NFL mindset, having reps, uh, not getting hurt. And, to me, I just – I'm worried about Trevor having that – you know, you David Carr, you mentioned. Tim Couch is another good one um, for those expansion Browns who – I mean, he just was – uh, just target practice for that uh, – for defenders behind that weak offensive line up there. So um, I, I don't want something to happen to Trevor Lawrence because I'm not on board with, you know, the fans calling Trevor a bust. He's no. terrible. He's uh, he's going to be out. He's going to be gone next year. I mean, that, that's absolutely ludicrous. If you've not oh, yeah. watched – Jacksonville football Trevor Lawrence is not the problem for this team
0: so it's a lot of people that haven't watched and actually that that, because people are saying well Justin Herbert played well as a rookie and why can't Trevor do it so I want to do a little bit of an experiment Marvin Jones is probably unquestioned the team's number one receiver right now would you take Marvin Jones over Keenan Allen absolutely not would you take Marvin Jones over Mike Williams no maybe over Jalen Guyton yeah probably so okay so at at best Marvin Jones is the Chargers third wide receiver So that's Trevor Lawrence's number one guy. All right, how about the Kansas City Chiefs? You wouldn't take him over Tyreek Hill. Maybe over Byron Pringle or Josh Gordon?
1: Meh. Yeah, I mean, Josh, peak Josh Gordon no. Well,
0: but, uh, Well, we're talking Josh Gordon yeah, now. now. No, probably Pro- not. Pro- probably uh, over Josh think. Gordon, maybe yeah. over
1: Pringle. I'd say maybe over toss on Pringle, maybe on Josh Gordon. I, so at best, he's number two for the Maybe two, Chiefs. yeah, maybe two. All right, be.
0: how about the Bucks that won the Super Bowl? Wouldn't take him over Mike Evans. No. Wouldn't take him over Chris Godwin. No. Would you take him over Antonio Brown? No. All right, I, so I at best, so. he's number four on the Bucks. and that's where the problem lies. Yep. He is the Jaguars' best guy and has been since training camp, because even when DJ Tark was healthy, I kept saying, wow, that Marvin Jones guy looks good mm-hmm. compared to everybody else. He looked real good. So he's their number one guy, and on good teams, at best, we're talking about a guy that's number three, number four. Yeah, maybe. Um, at peak, maybe two on, yeah. on a bad team. I mean, so... So that's yeah. where the problem lies. Like, we were looking at Justin Herbert's stats, and everybody's like, he looked great. Trevor Lawrence should be able to do this. Well, look, Justin Herbert walked in with, like, Keenan Allen, who is an underrated wide receiver mm-hmm. in the NFL. He is a, very talented. Mike Williams, who for some reason found a way to be healthy the past two years and has shown the talent that we mm-hmm. saw from him in college. And then, I mean, they had Tyron Johnson last season as a deep threat. They've got guys that, that can play roles for them. Plus, they've got a really good receiving running back. He, there are weapons on these teams yes. is what I'm getting at. And Trevor Lawrence just doesn't have access to those weapons. If we started going into the order of – their targets and weapons. And we said, all right, well, where does Marvin Jones and Dan Arnold fit on that? I'd be willing to bet we're talking about a four and five guy yep. on their list yep. every time. And those are Trevor's top two. And that's the same thing the The comparisons between Mac Jones,
1: who's going to probably win the rookie of the year at this point. Um, you, you compare Mac Jones and Trevor Lawrence. Well, if Trevor Lawrence is thrown to to the the assembly line of tight ends and receivers the Patriots have, and all right, let's protect, do the Patriots, how about I, that? Uh, Jacoby Myers. Yeah, no, no. He's, I mean, he's far above Marvin Jones. Okay,
0: uh, Nelson Aguilar.
1: He's probably a toss up. He's had an inconsistent career, but All right. still probably. So, so
0: maybe Marvin Jones as a two. Maybe a two. All right, but we're taking Hunter Henry and John New Smith over uh, over yes. Dan Arnold. I mean, do you take their third tight end over him? Devin uh, S., I don't even know how to say this guy's name. So maybe Dan Arnold is their yeah. third tight end? Like, you, you get where we're going yeah. with this. And then it, we don't even have to go into their backfield. Damian Harris, Ramardre Stevenson, both talented. Like, do you take the pair of those over James Robinson and Carlos Hyde? Absolutely. Yeah. So you see where this guy has talent around him, a defense that's playing well. The Jaguars' defense has started to play well, but he doesn't have the pieces around him. We could do the, sa- the same exact exercise talking about offensive lines. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you, you start saying, wow, you're not taking a lot of the Jaguars' pieces. That's because a lot of them aren't good football-level guys yeah, right now. Right now, they're not. They're not at that point yet where
1: they need to be, and maybe next year they get an upgrade in some of these positions. But you're asking Trevor to, um, you know, to, to be an NFL quarterback with below-average NFL players around him, and you're just not going to make that transition. I mean, you look at Justin Herbert, talent around him. He had a bona fide number 1 receiver in Keenan Allen there. Mike Williams has been serviceable. Um, I mean, just the list goes on. You've got talent guys around you. You're going to perform better, and Trevor just does not have that talent at all around him. They've misused James Robinson this year uh, before he was injured. There's no Travis Etienne there to, to offer anything else, and you're asking Trevor to do too much with not a lot of talent around him. And, you know, you mentioned that, and there's so many good examples around the NFL, and it it stretches out even further than that. Um, You know, you you look at, I mean, Zach Wilson with the Jets, same exact situation, very little talent around him. And I think the Jaguars are in a better position than the Jets. But uh, nonetheless, you see those rookie quarterbacks struggle, Justin Fields as well, those rookie quarterbacks playing on bad teams, not a lot of talent around them. And you're seeing that uh, that payoff, but in Jacksonville, just tough to watch. You just hope Trevor does not have that Dave Carr, um, that Tim Couch kind of thing happen to him, where it uh, you know it almost implodes and, and uh, hurts him long term.
0: All right, switching to the defense for this week, uh, the Falcons' offense has not exactly been potent the past few weeks. Their offensive line not very good, but Kyle Pitts is a threat. Uh, Cordero Patterson looks like he should be able to play this week. He has been a threat this year. Uh, no, Shaquille Griffin for the Jaguars this week. I don't know. I, they've switched to a lot of zone, but we've seen so many average tight ends gash this defense. I just shudder to think what Kyle Pitts might do this yeah.
1: week. no, it's. I'm not looking forward to that because <laughs> I mean we've seen it year after year after year. I mean this is just does not just start with the Meyer regime. We've seen it just over time just tight end after tight end destroy Jacksonville's defense and whether it's been Rob Gronkowski whether I mean it's just been unbelievable Um, so a guy like Kyle Pitts who's uh, just on another world and really hitting his NFL stride kind of shudder to think what he's going to do against a defense that's going to be missing Shaquille Griffin who's uh, had some success with those top receivers Tyson Campbell who is improving but still it Spooks me every time I see a ball thrown in his direction, and the back of his helmet uh, facing that uh, the, the oncoming ball. So, um, yeah, the Falcons, yes, are not good. When I look at the final schedule, I, uh, the remaining games, this is a game I think they could win. Um, but again, the Jaguars have the uncanny ability to bring out the best and bad teams or struggling teams, and I just don't—I don't know what to make of this game.
0: All right. Uh, ultimately, I think this one comes down to who can get to like 14 points. <laughs> I mean, I like who can score two touchdowns and that's bad. Like the over under on this game is 46 and a half. There's no way this game is getting to 46 Man. and a half. Like neither one of these offenses, like the Falcons got shut out last week. Neither one of these teams is scoring very well. Like there's no way. If you're bashing the under on this, it's like the way under <laughs> on this. Like do we make it past 20 points is yeah. like or, how I'm feeling about this thing. So, I guess Guess let's go ahead and pick this game. Um, I'm gonna actually take the Jaguars for some reason. I just don't trust the Falcons. I think it's gonna be a very low-scoring game. I'm thinking like 17 to seven kind of thing, very similar to that Bills game. But the Falcons defense gives up a few more points.
1: I'll say uh, I'm gonna switch it. I'm gonna say the Falcons win 17-14.
0: 17-14. All right, so we're split picks here. So we'll see how this works out. Thanks for tuning into a News for Jacks podcast. We'll check in with you next week.